We are here in the flesh, baby. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. I am Ethan Guzman, along with my longtime close personal friend, my heterosexual life mate, my Max, my T's, my Altoids, Eve's, the Canon Sanon. Is that another thing that's new that you're doing? Yeah. Mm hmm. You like it? I guess I was kind of caught, caught off guard. I was quoting my inner thunder lips from Hulk Hogan, Rocky Three. Remember that? Did you say that for real? Yeah, I remember him saying that. Yeah, that was his his, his little shtick right there. You know, that was his his first claim to frame claim to fame in the movie theaters as having the small role in Rocky Three. That was it. After that, what was it? No holes, no holes barred with Zeus. Um, was it? Yeah, probably you no. Know he, he, he actually you know he actually came out on the A Team a couple of episodes with Mr. T. Oh, Hulk Hogan was in the A Team. Mm-hmm. Came out a few episodes, I guess, before the whole WrestleMania thing. He was on a few episodes of that. I didn't even know that. And I used to watch the A-Team like crazy. Hannibal Smith was the man. Yep. So what's going on, Eve's the Cannon Sanon? Same old, same old, man. I'm just here. Just trying to maintain. Yeah, almost Christmas time in December, folks. So hopefully everybody's getting their Christmas shopping done. Nah, I ain't buying nothing for nobody this year. Screw that. Nobody's getting anything. What about you? Um, I, I got a, you got a family, dude. I know. Like a... That they don't count. My family does not count. My, 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 my child and my... Wife does not count. Everybody else doesn't get anything. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just um, saying. They just don't. Um, there's a lot of movie news out there today as well. Um, well, as far as you're hearing this, hearing this right now, all the mid-season finale shows are already done. So um, Flash now, and yeah, done. Flash and Arrow is pretty much done, and Agents of Shield. So you got to wait till I think January or February. I'm still not sure when Agents of Shield, man. I'm sorry, I'm just not. I'm just, uh, it's you're not, too lazy to not, watch it. It's a good show. Yeah, not definitely. Easy. When I do watch it, it doesn't reach out to me. I don't. I don't get it. As the points like it doesn't not that I don't get it, it doesn't appeal to me as much as I would want to watch it. Like I have to watch it every let's say Monday or Tuesday it comes out. Gotham maybe. Yeah, Gotham is a pretty good show. Gotham I, is pretty I, good. I can't. I was kind of skeptical on it, but I actually liked it. Yeah, it, uh, you know, I I I have some of the episodes still on DVR. I definitely got to catch up on it, but it's a pretty good slow build. You know, yeah, don't yeah, expect it's a Batman. Slow, then, but, Batman you know, ain't gonna be in this. Don't even yeah. think about it. He's a little kid, like. So it's like it's a slow build up, like you said, but it's actually pretty good. And it's kind of like kind of a modern twist to it too. Like he can be Batman in like two thousand fifty and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. it's kinda of like it's done now in a, yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. So it, it's it's pretty good. Um did you hear any news about the Dawn of Justice? They finished rapping? Yeah, I heard it's oh it's over. They finished yeah. wrapping up, you know, the the whole their whole filming. I'm hearing that Commissioner Gordon might be dead in it. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. This is a ballsy move, I think, if they're going to kill off the yeah. main conscience of Batman, which is Commissioner Gordon. There's a lot of City. ballsy moves in this. They're going to have yeah. Doomsday. And Alfred, Alfred might kick some ass in it, too, supposedly. supposedly. I don't know. Jeremy Irons, right? Yeah, Jeremy Irons, who's an excellent um, Alfred. I think it's going to be really good. Also, they finished wrapping on Ant-Man as well. Ant-Man's well, Paul Rudd's parts are finished, he said, right? Yeah, I, I think the whole film in general is pretty much done, but, you know, they definitely have quick. to... Mm, it was on for a couple of months, not really though. Once Edgar Wright left and Peyton Reed came on to, they already started thing. doing it as soon as yeah, they yeah, they jumped into it. Yeah, it's already done and done in the bridge right now. Is basically just post productions, but okay. you know they're probably gonna do some reshoots and some scenes. yeah. And um, Age of Ultron, we talked about those reshoots well, they're as do well. Some reshoots in that as well. Hopefully, um, I don't know if they 
announced. Well, we didn't speak about it. That um, Cumberbatch, Cumber. Yeah, whatever. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, he's also Doctor confirmed Strange. as Doctor Strange, which is, I believe, excellent casting. Yes, yes, yes. Two Sherlock Holmes in one um, movie universe. Oh yeah, exactly. From the BBC and uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Robert American Downey version. Jr. Yeah, and I think it's a great casting. I think he's going to bring a lot to the role. Um, if you saw him in Star Trek Into Darkness, he was great as Khan, and um, he's a very versatile actor. And yes, I think very versatile actor. So, um, who else? Oh, did Jared we Leto. We spoke about the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. The Suicide oh, bust. We, we can go to that podcast and see my rant if you know if you didn't actually hear it. I've been getting a lot of flack, slack, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. But all in all, it's, it's, it's all good. I I appreciate anything that you guys throw at me. I can throw it right back. Yeah. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage. Who's the actor? Mike Coulter or something yeah, like that? Yeah, the guy yeah. he was he was in. What's that movie? He was in a couple of movies that... I don't know. I've never even seen him before. But, I mean, if, if, if you see him, he looks like me. That means I could have played Luke Cage, like I was saying. He looks like me, just like me. Is he your height or bigger? No, he's like 6'3". Oh, I still, like, know, yeah. could, That's it. He only has the Well, Tom Cruise is actually 5-something, so Tom Cruise plays big stature in all his movies. You definitely could have been good for the role of that. Well, I mean... Um, Christian Ritter. Christian that Ritter, yes. Fine, Christian Ritter. As Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. She's about 5'8", and wow. I'm about 5'9". You know, they are supposed to get together, supposedly. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, height difference, the height difference would have yeah. made a difference. Yeah, Charlie, yeah, Charlie. I'm sorry to cut you off. Charlie Cox is Matt Murdock. And well, well we, already spoke, we, we already spoke about that, right? Yeah, so who is right? the other casting? Well, they they have to do Iron Fist, isn't it? Iron Fist Iron is the Fist, last yeah. person that they're going to do. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's going to be the Defenders. Well, they're not going to be Defenders because... The Defenders is going to lead up, or each season is going to lead up to the Defenders, which probably will be in, what, 2016 or 2017, mm-hmm. which will lead up to the Defenders. Right, but I'm looking forward to that because those are pretty good castings. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Christian Ritter as Jessica Jones. Just looking forward to looking at her, period. But, I mean, just as her trying to make that transition. So yeah. the whole synopsis is her. She was a costume hero. Now she's making a, a transition or she's as a, a private investigator. Yeah. Okay. And Luke Cage is still the yeah. same thing. Bulletproof skin, living in, um, I guess, if you want to say Harlem or... Uh, Upper East Side, yeah, or where yeah. the hell he lives at? Let me house kitchen. Yeah. Also, um, Jason Momoa signed a four-picture deal for Aquaman, so Dawn of Justice is going to be his first, and he has three more contractual. So he, obligations. Has the, he has his own probably, standalone film, and, and the, the two, two Justice, Justice Leagues. Leagues That's definitely probably going to be part of his four-picture deal, which is great. Though are we supposed know. to? Do we, are we supposed to care? Um, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm not sold out. I'm not sold yet. Um, I don't know. I, you I know like, how I feel about this. Guy. Yeah, you know I like, how I feel. Okay. Jason Momoa was a good actor. I watched him ever since Baywatch. I think he's really good. And he's really underrated. He just gets a lot of confusion because people think he looks good and they don't see like the quality of work with the man. But he definitely cannot. Quality of work. What has he done as quality? Game of, of Thrones, work? dude. I, I I don't watch the show personally. I don't watch Game of Thrones either. But you know, I heard he, his work has been great and he's improved since Baywatch. So let me see. Let me see the costume. Let me see if it's going to be the orange and green costume well, I'm waiting for. I'm sure you'll show a lot of his upper pectoral regions that and is, his that, abdominal uh, region. Listen, and, listen, 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 well, listen. That's none of my concern. I'm talking about him in the costume. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. The costume, I'm sure he's going to show his chest a I'm lot. Like, and, I'm not talking about the guy's chest. I don't care about what, 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 what is that. That even a topic? <laughs> but you just said what costume he's gonna wear. He's I want to see if he's gonna wear the orange and green costume like the Super Friends. He's gonna wear it as Wolverine wore his yellow and black spandex. That's how he's gonna wear it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Contemporary, right? That's yes, the key contemporary. Word. contemporary, contemporary. I listen to you. Um, yeah, so he signed a four picture deal. Okay, well, let's see, let's see, because I'm still not sold on these guys over here on DC. Sorry about that. I'm still not sold on you guys. 
Anyway, so, <laughs> keep it going. Okay, um, we got the the Hobbit movie is coming out in a few more weeks. Um, two and more that's, weeks. Yeah, that's, that's two weeks. What, two more weeks. It or? comes out, I believe, December seventeenth, which will fall into the whole Christmas thing. So that'll be see, the I completion see. of all the Hobbit films, including the Lord of the Rings. So will they have a trailer for anything? You uh, know? The trailer's already out there. No, I'm talking about trailer for these DC or Marvel movies. Um, I think probably a trailer for Star Wars. Probably, probably the same trailer that we got already, and um. I don't know. I don't think. I think the trailers will definitely come by next year, though. But nobody see. That's the thing. It's like this whole build up for what? But Lord of the Rings. Well, the Hobbit movie has been. Pretty no, the Hobbit movies were pretty consistent. That's what I. I. I I'm not. I was talking. We were talking about that earlier. I don't really get into those. I don't know. Maybe I, I like my superhero movies. I'm not really into yeah. you know. You yeah. Call it he's not. Yeah. He's not into fantasy or elves or knights or anything nah, like nah, that. Nah, you nah. know. Definitely give your gripes about that because right, I don't right. know how you, you could like movies but not like the whole fantasy aspect of it. But you give know, me a man in some spandex and tights swinging around the city. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's Interesting. I rather watch, but yeah. So that's gonna be good. I mean, people are gonna look forward to those Hobbit movies. You know, the Lord of the Rings continue it. Well, prequels. Yeah, prequels. And then also next year in January, you have a whole list of a plethora of superhero movies that are coming well, out. Well, those are going to be... I, I, what about Terminator Genesis? I know. You know. Let's talk about the trailer. Did you see the trailer? And what's your take on the trailer? Okay, I saw the trailer. All right. You know, I'm a big fan of Terminator movies. That's one movie. Yeah, we're, you know, we did a tribute show to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. We're both fans we're of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, just, I, I, I'm very, 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 very... I can't say... I'm just kind of off on how the whole thing looks. Because now... Okay, so... What from looking at the trailer itself, um, Kyle Reese goes back in time like he did originally in the mm-hmm. first Terminator to mm-hmm. save Sarah Connor, but now Sarah Connor seems like she knows already what's going on and she looked like she has a Terminator already with her hanging out, which is the old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, basically, it looks like it's going to cross time streams with an alternate reality. Basically, they're going back to the movie. 1984 Terminator, it looks like, because you see the scene of Arnold Schwarzenegger first arriving in, I guess, L.A. Look, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Kyle Reese, Sarah, I mean, John Connor's yeah. dad? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's, so, like, they're John, wait, is this something to kind of throw So he's John Connor's father, but in the future, they're around the same age? Yeah, it's a grandfather paradox. It's a long story to get into the space-time Kind of like Cable, like Cable yeah. and the X-Men, like he's um, Scott yeah, Summers' yeah. son, yeah. but he it's was a, older than Scott. It's a whole timeline discussion, which could take up a whole show, but basically, yeah, you know, they fall basically fall in the same time stream. This takes place in the future, and they go back to the past. Sarah Connor is a young, you know, young... But now she looks movie. like, but you know, in the first Terminator, the 85 one, she was very timid and she didn't really know yeah. what to do and, until she got to Terminator 2 when she was like a full-blown military strategist. Yeah. But in this one, Terminator Genesis, the trailer, she looks like she already knows how to Everything, use yeah. M16s and yeah. was it, BFGs yeah. and all that type of crap. I know. It looks like a train wreck. The trailer looks okay. You got Storm Shadow, Bry... He's a Terminator? He's a T-1000. And he looks like a, a reformed T one thousand because yeah. I see him take a part of his you know liquid metal yeah. body and like I just don't know how this movie's gonna yeah, be. I, I don't know, it's throwing me off. You know, I, I was watching people, the trailer yeah. and I was just like, what is going on? I was excited because you know yeah. I love Terminator. Like, there's there's people that love the trailer, but I'm not sold on the trailer as of yet. But you know what I'm saying? You know they love Who knows, it you know? Term, and it's like they did say I remember in a past Terminator. Well, I forgot which one was it. If it was. Um, um, which call again? If it was two or three, that the Terminator's flesh can get old, but he still has the endoskeleton inside. Mm-hmm, that's going to yeah. always be 
always going to be alive. So it's like I don't understand. How, so I guess Arnold is still there as a yeah. Terminator, but he's not. You know, he's it's not that he's dead. It's just that he's getting old. So he's yeah, been since eighty. So basically, yeah, the Terminator doesn't age. The skin of the human flesh ages. So he's been there waiting for a while. So that's why he looks older and he's still the Terminator. That's how they can explain that situation where the the, skeleton, the the endoskeleton doesn't age, but the skin ages under the flesh. And you know? correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Sarah Connor looks like she's at least 12. Yeah, she does. She yeah, looks really young. Kyle Reese is still, like, you know, in his 30s. Yeah. So it's like, Kyle Reese, h- how does John Connor get to be born? I don't... It's like, yeah, I was just yeah, thrown off. I was, yeah. thinking, I was like, what is going on? It's like you said, it's a train wreck. And they train wreck and they backed up into the train yeah, wreck. I, like, I was yeah. just like, what is going on? Like, I'm confused. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's an Arnold movie, so you gotta give it up for Arnold. Um, I watched, I recently watched Sabotage. It was a pretty good movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is it? Was it? Was it? Yeah, it was, was it. Was the one with, um, who, who, who was it? Um, it was, Sam Worthington, he, he was um, like, Joe Maganello. He had, yeah. he was like, um, the head of elite team. Yeah, right? like, yeah. It, it was okay, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like one of his best movies, but it was okay. You know, even The Last Stand was kind of cheesy. I wasn't well, really... let's say, well, uh, since Arnold has stopped being the governor of um, L.A., what has he done that was pretty good? Well, he's done the cameos in Expendables. He's done that the Expendables. He does The Last Stand, Sabotage. Um, now he's doing the Terminator Genesis. Um, I think they're supposed to do Triplets, which is a sequel to Twins. I'm not really sure if that's definitely Triplets. happening. Yeah. Ugh. I'm not sure if that's happening. And King Conan is also... Oh, yeah, you know? so he's going to probably be old Conan, and yeah. I guess his son's going to take over or something? Probably, like yeah. Nah, you know, Arnold's doing his thing, though. I gotta well, give yeah, it up Arnold's Arnold. gonna, yeah, I mean, he's gonna ride it to the wheels fine. He still looks jacked. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, and, and also other movies coming up, we got horror movies on the pipeline. I think there's another Paranormal Activity that's definitely supposed to come out in October, because there was a Paranormal Activity supposed to come out this year in October, but it got pushed back to... Well, that was the one with the um, the Mexican... Well, that, that was the one that was Puerto Rican, Latino... It looked like it was done yeah. in LA, that's what I was saying. Yeah, the marked ones, yeah. Which is, it's it's a really, really good movie. I, I actually seen it recently. If That movie's twist is amazing. Like, you wouldn't even think about the whole twist. You definitely gotta watch that. I don't want to spoiler out there for people who haven't seen it. And it's a twist it. that it, it leads up into that, the, the part one and part two. Well, you already spoiled it, but yeah, that's it does. It no, you said the twist. I didn't, I didn't like, go. I don't even know. I'll go, I'll yeah. find out on Wikipedia. You know me, I'm not going to look in the movie and wait. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie, though. It's pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mm, gave it a cool. for that. The whole franchise was pretty good. What else is there as in horror films that are coming out next year? Saw. Is there any more Saw movies coming out? Um, I don't know. There were sp- rumors that there were going to be a reboot, but I doubt that's going to happen. Of Saw? Yeah. Why would they reboot Saw? I know. You don't need to. But, you know, they reboot everything. Nightmare on Elm Street. Another um, Friday the 13th is supposed to come out soon. Um, I don't know exactly when. Next year, supposedly. It's a movie supposed to come out. Um, A Scream series is supposed to come out on MTV. And you also got Bates Motel's next season is coming out. There's a lot of things, good things happening in horror. So, um, there's a lot of shows, too. Um, Besides... Besides the, you know, the Friday the 13th, they, there's been talks of uh, Halloween, so I'm not sure if any, I, I'm just kind of skeptical of saying it because I don't know anything, if it's not definitely, in, you know, it's not really concrete that it's happening, but there's just circulations and rumors going now, but another Friday the 13th, which is going to, is going to take place in the 80s, which is, it's going to have that old 80s feel to it, so. It's, um. Is, is Jamie Lee Curtis going to be back in it? Or? No, Jamie Lee Curtis never was in the Friday the 13th franchise. She was in the Halloween. 
Halloween. Yeah. That's yeah. I got it mixed up. My bad. My bad. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna have Jason's mom, Pamela Voorhees, doing it. I, I don't know what's what's happening. You're coming here from Friday for Thirteenth, the first movie. Jason was in it, but he had a pair of brown paper bag over his head, right? Was, um, no, he was the kid that came out of the water, grabbed the girl. He was in the first movie. He was in the first movie. The second movie, he had a potato sack on his potato head sack, with an eye yes. slit with overalls. Right, and his mother was, you know, telling him what to do, right? Yeah. And then this, the third one is when he was solo alone, and he was axe-murdering everybody. Yeah. Okay, all right, just double-checking. Just let the fans know that's exactly what's going down. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot of good there's a lot of good things happening next year. So, you know, 2016 looks like it's going to be a good year. Promising. So definitely can't Plus, wait. you know, Avengers, obviously. So. Yeah, the Infinity, Infinity War, which is going to be ex- excellent. You know yes. I mean? So, what's going on? Well, I have an interview um, this week. I had a great interview with Anthony Tabone. Anthony Tabone. So yes, he's um former editor of Fangoria Magazine. Fangoria, he's also an Fangoria. author. Remember you? Did you ever? Yeah, talk? I did. I used to. I used to back in the days. So he's the former editor. Yes, former senior editor of Fangoria magazine and also the website. You know, he's done a few movies as well. Um, there's only two magazines I used to definitely pick up back in the days: Fangoria and Toy Fair. And okay. You know, I used to get the Toy, Toy Fairs, Fairs all the yes, time. I do remember. Yes. I remember I used to get them. And but you got okay. That's what's up. So what do you guys speak about? What do you guys talk about? Um, we basically talk about his upbringing, his career, and talk about Fangoria. Um, we discuss definitely um, the. He had a, a produced a show on 100 um, scariest moments, and I think it was on Bravo. 100 oh, scariest so movie I do moments. Remember that. He produced it. Yes, so it, it was it was it was pretty good. It was a pretty good um, um, show that spanned for a couple of weeks, and we definitely talk about that. And it's a really good discussion. Yeah, it was on for a couple of weeks. Like they had like you know. I think it was for like they used to show it every Halloween. Right, and they had like fifty to fifty to forty, and like 40 yeah, to 50 yeah, and yeah. I remember it. And I they have the actors who were involved in the movie right, right, or right. who weren't involved in the movie or people who liked horror movie talked about it. So it was definitely pretty cool. I like shows like that, like you know, like stuff like that that you know have the in depth uh, yeah. uh, characters are speaking about their roles that they play. Yeah. Yeah. In the movies, even like you know, not to stray off topic, like I love the seventies when they're talking about yeah, like, like a VH1. Like yeah. I like, but you know, with that one, the hard one, I did see that one. It just had a whole bunch of it had weird movies like the Tremors. Yeah, and movies that I never even seen before, right, Italian exactly. horror, which Italian is horror, you know, know. It's like it's just it was just ill. But I mean, that's good. That seemed like a, seemed like it's an interesting interview. Yeah, it definitely is. You definitely got to hear it. So you know, fans, check this out and let me know what you think. The Atomic Podcast. You are now in the mix with the Atomic Podcast, where we blow up the news. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, where we come to you live from Times Square, New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. My guest today is a longtime editor of Fangoria Magazine, and he is also an author. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Tony Tapone. Tony Tapone. Tony, how are you today? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. Um, how was your Thanksgiving? And not bad, yeah. Uh, the turkey actually came up with this year. Didn't overcook it, so uh, everybody was happy. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. As long as everybody's stomach was happy, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, so basically, let's just go back to the past. Um, how did you grow up? How did you start it out in life? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I grew up with a passion for horror, science fiction, and fantasy. I used to read comic books as a kid, watch chiller theater, go to the drive-in with my parents to see horror movies and American international movies. Uh, I read famous monsters of Filmland and Marvel comics, and I just had a passion for uh, genre stuff uh, since I was very young. Uh, you know, other kids were out playing. Uh, basketball and baseball and 
hockey and sports, and I was more interested in building Aurora model kits and uh, going to going to the double features at the at the uh, uh, local movie theaters, and uh, I was into sports too. But yeah, my main passion was always monsters and movies. Uh, so. And, uh, you know, I began writing as a, uh, probably when I was in uh, in grammar school, even, I, I, I used to cut, do, cut, to, cut and paste together my own monster books from clippings from magazines and newspapers and stuff. And then when I got into high school, I started a, a fanzine called Fantasine. And uh, while I was in high school, I, yeah, I used to go to the uh, creation science fiction and uh, conventions and meet various horror, horror and sci-fi celebrities, and I used to get interviews with them, and, uh, and then I'd write, write them and uh, run them in my high school uh, uh, fanzine that I that um, was put up by our uh, high school science fiction club. And, uh, yeah, I'd meet people like Tom Savini and uh, George Romero, Star Trek and Star Wars people. And back then, uh, the celebrities were real cool. You know, they didn't charge $50 for an autograph. If you say you want an interview, they'd meet you in the coffee shop downstairs and, and they'd grant you an interview. It was a lot, a lot cooler and a lot more uh, innocent back then. And uh, I used to uh, send queries to uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland. This is back in... Uh, uh, the late 70s, trying to break in as a, a writer there, and that never worked out, uh, but eventually uh, when Flory Ackerman, the editor of Famous Monsters, left Famous Monsters and went to a, started a new magazine called Monsterland, and and uh, they also published a magazine called Sci-Fi Movie Land, they wound up buying some of my interviews while I was uh, uh, I think I was still in uh, probably my senior year of high school or junior or or early uh, years in college, no, it was more when I was in college they would, they'd start commissioning articles for me and I'd get interviews with a lot of these people. But my main goal was always to try to break into Fangoria. And back then, Fangoria, the, most of the articles were written by the two editors at the time. They used to do all the writing themselves at an unusual arrangement with the publisher. So I never got into Fangoria, but I got into their sister publication, Starlog, uh, again with Star Trek and Star Wars people. And when I was in my last year of college at NYU, I told the editor of Starlog, hey, I'll be getting out of school in July. If any positions open up, let me know. And sure enough, just a few weeks out of school, uh, one of the editors of Fangoria left, uh, Bob Martin, and uh, they needed someone really quick. And I joined them as an editorial assistant. And within four weeks, I went from editorial assistant to assistant editor to managing editor to editor-in-chief of the magazine within a year, uh, uh, eventually. Within a year, I was uh, editor-in-chief. And uh, so that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, and then being editor of Fangoria, I was able to um, jump into other things, uh, other freelance things, work on uh, conventions, movies, TV shows, uh, DVD companies, et cetera, et cetera, film festivals, uh, all with the knowledge and the experience I gained from uh, being with Fangoria for, you know, 25 plus years. Wow, so um, so basically, um, let me just rewind that again. So basically you started off in Fangoria as what again? 
when I first started in July of 1985, yeah. I was an editorial assistant. Editorial assistant, okay. And how long you was an ed um, editorial assistant for working at Fangoria? Uh, uh, pretty much just like, uh, like a week or so, and then I just I kept getting promoted. I went through the series of rapid promotions over the course of uh, about a month. Um, because, you know, I really proved myself, and then the mm -hmm. other editor at Fangoria, this guy Dave Everett, he wound up leaving that same summer I started, and I figured, uh, you know, let's keep grooming Tony to take over the top spot, so like I said, within a year, I was the, you know, the editor-in-chief. Wow, how was, how was that being the editor-in-chief of Fangoria at such like an early age, I would believe? Like, how did, how, how did you feel? Uh, well, it was pr pretty awesome, you know, I, I, that, yeah, I mean, that was my big goal in life. My goal in life at that time was just to write for Fangoria, and here I was becoming the editor of Fangoria. So, uh, yeah, here I was in my, yeah, 21, 22, something like that. Uh, let's see, let's see, 20, 23, yeah, 22, maybe, yeah. 22. And I, I had already pretty much achieved one of my, my, my life's goals. And it was pretty, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, I had a pit, I, I like getting up in the morning to go to work every day. You know, it was the coolest job in the world. You know, hobnobbing with horror celebrities, going to advanced screenings and parties and seeing all these horror greats, people I, you know, grew up with and admired and getting to meet with them and work with them. It was really a dream come true. So um, let me just take this back a little bit. So going back to childhood, you was always exposed to horror movies. That that's what sort of got got you going in life with horror. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing is, uh, I was very lucky in the sense that my folks never took me to Disney movies. They took me to movies like <laughs> Dracula Has Risen from the Grave and Frogs and Witchfinder General and um, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. And scream and scream again. You know, they took me to all these exploitation films as a kid. You know, sometimes I didn't stay for the movies. They dropped me off. Those are the movies I wanted to see. And, um, you know, that's uh, pretty much how it was. I, I was exposed to these films when I was very young, and I loved them. And I, I, I bought famous monsters of film land religiously. And, uh, that, that, yeah, that was my childhood. And uh, yeah, I was a very happy, lucky kid. And likewise, as an adult. Yeah, that's amazing, though, because usually parents at a certain age, you know, have their kids wanting to be doctors or, you know, a professional baseball player, depending. But it's kind of cool because, you know, parents, you know, nowadays, like, kind of like PC, you know, you wouldn't want to take your child to a movie theater now because, oh, you know, there's so much violence in movies and especially horror movies and stuff. But, you know, I don't know. I think it was kind of different back then because, um... Like you said, I, I was exposed to like horror movies at an early age, and there was really no supervision on that. But you know, uh -huh. I guess the times the times change. You know, it's so different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Things things were a lot simpler then. You know, uh, it was you had um, you just had you just have three network stations to choose from, and three independent stations, and uh, you know, a, a couple of. Uh, second-run theaters, and uh, you were lucky if there were three or four horror movies released a year, and now we have three or four, it seems like every weekend, well, at least one a weekend, you know, now that, and, and now there's so many options, it's, it's uh, you know, we're bombarded with content, whereas a kid, you know, we, we were just happy for the, the, you know, the scraps, 
<laughs> That's true. Even if it's like a direct, a full moon entertainment movie or or anything, you know, anything really horror related, we, we always had access to it. But now, you know, you could just go to YouTube and see a fan movie. There's so much access to the to the horror genre. Um, getting yeah. yeah, getting back into Fangoria. So becoming editor in chief in Fangoria. What were your daily responsibilities on that? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I put the whole magazine together. I edited all the articles. I picked out the photos. Did you know? Um, uh, decided where. Yeah, you know, basically mapped out the whole issue before uh, uh, before it went into production into our art department. Um, uh, yeah, I assigned articles to our international staff of writers. I um, you know. Uh, Dealt with all the studios and distributors to get the, you know get coverage of their movies into the magazine. I, I was pretty much uh, did it all. Uh, yeah, I had I had a staff. Uh, of course, we had an art department who designed the magazine, and I had a managing editor who um, you know t- t- edited the articles before I got to them. Um, but pretty much, it was morning, noon, uh, you know, all day long, nine to five, immersed in in horror. Also, yeah, it was pretty much a one-man show, basically, right? But, you know, of course you had a team also, but basically everything falls and dies by, by, by your okay, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I decided what went into the magazine and what went on the cover of the magazine and, um, you know, what we covered. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Is there any memorable article that you covered in Fangoria that still stands to the test of time, or there's anything there that's a top, you know, something that's like a top ten in your head? Oh wow! Well, we did. You know, we ran a lot of cool stuff over the years. Uh, gosh, that's. I, I think one of my my uh, uh, proudest moments is when I, uh, after ten years, I got Stephen King to write an article for the magazine. It took, a, it took you know for. Uh, yeah, about 10 years, you know, he committed to doing it, and then when he delivered it, uh, it was like almost 10 years later, and we had uh, uh, that for uh, around the time of our 30, 30th anniversary, and so uh, that was a real coup. Getting Clive Barker to paint the cover for the magazine was very exciting, and I, I'm, I'm very proud of all the anniversary issues we did, like Fangori 100, and 150, and 200, and our 30th anniversary issue, and, you know, getting celebrities to write for the magazine over the years was always fun. You know, people like Robin Englund and Doug Bradley, you know, wrote uh, journals on the making of their films. Uh, those, are, those are always cool, cool to have that. Angus Grimm would keep location journals and would run them in the magazine. Uh, that was always fun stuff. And um, and then also it was also very gratifying seeing the successes of young film filmmakers who grew up reading Fangoria and reading their words uh, later on where they said, oh, I grew up reading Fangoria and it was my dream to get my movie on the cover. You know, people like Eli Roth would said that. Um, you know, when we'd interview him for like Cabin Fever, for example. Yeah. So when you realize that, yeah, I was with the magazine so long that you know. Uh, People who started out as kids reading the magazine, or now adults making the movies that we were covering. So that that was that's always uh, a, a very gratifying when you're looking back. Yeah, especially 
it was the only, well, as far as I know, I might be wrong, but it was probably the only outlet for movies of that nature of horror and, you know. That's right. Yeah, we would, you know, the Fangoria magazine was the only genre, national genre magazine uh, of horror, you know. We were the only one back then. Now there's, of course, Rue Morgue and Horror Hound and a few others and, you know, fanzines and you know, these small press publications. But for, for you know, decades, Fangoria was the, was the only place where you could read about upcoming horror movies and, and TV shows. And just like we were the only one doing conventions for like 20, 25 years, uh, you know, Fangoria led the way. We were the real trendsetter and you know, now everybody's doing it. Yeah, and then um, Fangoria also branched different outlets as well. Can you discuss a little bit about that, too? Sure, yeah. Back in, I think it was 1999, we uh, started uh, our own uh, video uh, uh, distribution label, Fang uh, Fangoria Presents, and that uh, eventually evolved, you know, evolved to the several different labels. And I was one of the people in charge of acquiring these movies for uh, for video, which of course eventually expanded to include DVD and now uh, video on demand. Uh, so yeah, we became a, dis a distributor, and that was great because we put out a lot of really exciting, interesting movies uh, over the years. Also, back in 1990, we produced three films, and I was a, a co-producer on those. We did those with uh, Columbia. Uh, Mind Warped, Children of the Night, and Severed Ties, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, let's see, you know, the Fangoria expanded, of course, into uh, also books. Mm -hmm. uh, we did uh, three, uh, three books over the years, and we have a fourth book coming out uh, this fall slash winter called Fangoria Cover to Cover, which is um, a coffee table book that presents uh, 35 years of Fangoria covers. And also commentary on what went what, what went on behind the scenes uh, on a lot of those issues over the years. So uh, that you know that'll be out from Cemetery Dance and be uh, be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other places like that and the Cemetery Dance website. And let's see what others. And we hope to be Fangoria hopes to be making movies again uh, in 2015 and just again uh, distributing other other people's movies. Uh, uh, also, um, we hope to have a media player on our website, sort of like a Fangoria YouTube uh, channel uh, on our own website in the months ahead. So, you know, there's still a lot going on. I don't work for Fangoria full-time anymore. Now I'm freelance. I, yeah, I work for, uh, as a, a horror consultant for a number of people, Fangoria being, you know, just like one of my clients now. Okay. Uh, but my heart will, will always be with Fangoria. So, Another thing we do every month, uh, and sometimes more than once a month, is uh, we have uh, free screenings of upcoming horror films in cities like New York, L.A., Austin, and Chicago. So if people want to find out uh, when those happen, they just have to go to Fangoria.com or, uh, or our Fangoria Facebook page or our Twitter page, and they can find out how to get uh, advanced tickets to uh, new horror movies. Mm. Like P Poker Night is our next one, which will be on December 15th. Was there a reason why you stepped down, or it was just? Uh, yeah, well, I was I I, may, I was promoted to work on our video on demand channel mm -hmm. in two thousand and let's see, uh, I think about four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I had edited uh, from Fangoria number 
national institution as i would compare it to playboy but you know i wouldn't say in that same category but you know what i'm saying it's almost like you talk you know people talk about playboy you know fangoria you know say for horror you know? it just yeah. goes together like apples and oranges you know it goes together um so um basically um, what are the other um ventures that you're doing now can you speak about your others other work uh sure uh well I'm, i program the international film festivals uh fantasia being in the Number one, uh, festival of genre films, mm -hmm. science fiction, horror, fantasy, action that, that, that takes place every July in Montreal. Uh, that's um, uh, a, a program, tons of movies and book celebrity guests for them. And I'm the co-director of international program, programming for them. I'm also a programmer at the New York City Horror Film Festival. And uh, let's see, um, I write... Uh, uh, a column uh, uh, for a Chiller TV website. Okay. That's uh, the uh, sister website from uh, the Chiller cable station. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I do stuff for them, every, you know, like every other week. And I'm also, you know, trying to get some movies off the ground. I'm developing some movie, Fangoria feature films with uh, with some exciting people. And, and I have other horror projects that have been... Uh, uh, helping to produce, trying to produce for the last uh, late year or so, uh, that you know, seemed to be getting some traction. Uh, so, uh, yep, that's all stuff that's been keeping me busy. Uh, speaking and of, I wrote that Bangori Coffee Table book, and and, uh, and I might have some other books down the line too. Oh, sweet. Um, speaking of horror and everything, um, this is just a, 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 a random question that I have for you. What is your take on the state of horror in, you know, 2014? Do you feel that horror fell fell down the pipeline, like they fell down the ladder? Or do you think there will be a resurgence in, come, in the coming 2015 for next year? Uh, horror is healthier than ever. It's, it's, it's a very exciting time to be a horror fan because there's just so much to choose from and so many places to get your horror fix. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know, horror used to be the ugly stepchild that a lot of the studios, that, the studios were embarrassed by horror movies, uh, even though they were great at, you know, uh, holding up the bottom line. Uh, financially, but and, you know now everybody, you know all the companies are embracing horror. It's it's the it, horror films have been made since the silent times, and horror has never gone out of fashion. Mm -hmm. And now you know horror again continues to be more popular than ever, uh, thanks to you know the the uh, ongoing success of movies like you know the Paranormal Activity and The Purge and. In the last year, uh, movies like Annabelle were a big hit. And, yeah. it, you know, even the teen horror movies like Ouija, Ouija, um, Ouija. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, the, the, yeah, the stuff, horror is a constant draw. It, it'll never change. It really won't. And, and now with video on demand, this is this, this new pipeline that has to be fed. So you have all these great independent horror films from companies like IFC and Magnolia that just keep 
you know, uh, acquiring these films, because uh, now, you know, everybody with cameras seems to be running out and making a horror film these days, so it really is an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, exactly, because right now, yeah, I'm saying there's a lot of films that are coming out, a lot of basically horror films, and, you know, what's also the transition, too, is a lot of horror TV series. What's your take on, yeah. like, like, the Bates Motel, the Screams, you know, they're becoming, you know, TV shows now, like, how do you feel about that? What's your take on that? Oh, yeah, I, I think horror on TV is great. You know, there was very little horror on TV when I was a kid. It was pretty much just repeats, and, and, and horror TV shows rarely went one or two seasons. Uh, uh, but now, the, you know, American Horror Stories, yeah, that's, the stuff they're doing on TV is even better than what's being done theatrically, at least by the major studios. Yeah. You know, like stuff like American Horror Story blows away anything that you could see, say, at the, at the multi, uh, you know, at the, from, uh, uh, from the major studios, because it's so daring and over the top, and the storylines are so crazy. You know, so many of the theatrical horror films from the mainstream are very cookie-cutter, and either just geared to kids, or are just sequels, but the stuff they're doing on TV is just, just astounding, and it's good and scary, you know, American Horror Story, True Blood, um, the one that I loved the best, and I'd say within the last year, was Penny Dreadful, which was just wonderful. It was this great gothic uh, horror show on Showtime that brought together, you know, some of the greatest creatures and dark creations of all time under under one cover, and I can't wait for season two of that. And I watched Supernatural, uh, that's in its tenth season, and I can't believe that show's still going. Yeah. So it's, again, it's an embarrassment of riches. There's so much to see, there's so much to embrace. And it couldn't be a better time to be a horror fan. Definitely, definitely. Um, also, I want to talk to you about the 100 scariest movie moments, which you was involved in it. It's oh yeah, yes. It was it was so amazing because uh, there's a lot of movies there that I definitely have not seen, and I seen because of that. Um, is there any plans to do like a an, another one of those um, episodes, or that's just one and done? Um, I wish. I mean, I, I certainly would jump jump on again if they decided to do another one. It was a great experience. Was, um, uh, they did, they, they, there was a few knockoff versions that were done by other producers that kind of ripped off the idea. And, uh, and the format that we started with 100 Scariest Movie no Moments, I know it's copied by, you know, the VH1 yeah. and specials. Uh, but, yeah, I like to think of it, that we were the first, and I was really, and it's unbelievable that, you know, we had, it ran for a whole week. It was a miniseries. It was a huge rating success. And, yeah, I hope well, we go back and revisit again and do uh, do an updated version at some point or release the other one on DVD. But uh, it was, you know, it was a great thing, and I'd love to do more specials like that. Yeah, that definitely needs to be released in a DVD because especially the actors and producers who are involved in giving their take on the subjects was really cool. Um, with the new movies that are out now, since, you know, you definitely, I guess you could take a, you know, take a part and put add-ons into it. What, I guess, what would you add on to movie moments that are scariest now if you have any moments in your head that you can think of? I would love to include more of the, you know, the, the horror movies coming out of Japan and Spain and some of the international stuff that we really didn't touch too much on uh, in the first version because it was very more centered on uh, you know American horror movies. So we, you know we had a few foreign ones in there, but there's still a lot more we could do with the great stuff that we've seen come out of Asia since then. Yeah, 
Um, the um, how? Yeah, I, I don't think audition wasn't ranked. Was I, I'm trying to remember. I don't believe. Yeah, I don't remember if that was. <laughs> yeah, I know it was so long ago. But I remember the the number one movie you had was Jaws. To this day, do you still, you know, take that stand that Jaws? To no, you? no, that, that that unfortunately was a, a corporate decision. Ah, uh, okay. You know, the, the show was produced by Bravo, yeah. uh, which is owned by Universal, and Jaws is a Universal movie. Uh, it was originally between Psycho and The Exorcist, and it, really, it should have been the it should have been Psycho, and up to the last minute it was going to be Psycho. But then, um, uh, you know, we we, you know, we had some uh, unfortunate uh, meddling from outside uh, from from the from the, uh, the cable company from from Bravo, who had uh, you know had a had a production put their two cents in and. And that's how we wound up with Jaws as number one. No, I, you know, I think Jaws is a great movie and it deserves to be in the top five, but I, I would have given it to The Exorcist or, yeah. or Psycho or maybe even Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, my, my sentiments exactly. Or even Halloween, you know, because, you know, Halloween yeah. is basically a slow build. You know, there's a lot of great movies on that list and people definitely need to check that out. It's it's so amazing that it came together. You know, and, and they used to give it um every... Halloween, they used to replay it, but I don't know why they don't replay it no more. But used yeah, well, after a while, I think it became you know became a date in the sense that uh, you know after uh, eight years, there's so many horror films that come out since uh, that we did the special like Saw and The Conjuring and things like that. So people would tune in expecting to see some of the more recent horror films, and then they'd be like, "What the heck? Where, you know, where's this one? And where's that one? <laughs> yeah. You know, like like you said, Audition and Ringu and things like that." Yeah. That's, yeah. There's so many movies since then that would deserve to be on there. Oh. Was you involved with the 30th, I think it was 30 scary moments, even more scarier moments? Was you involved in that? No, well? I wasn't involved in that. That was the one that you know, ah, kind okay. of uh, gotcha. ripped off of our, yeah, they kind of, uh, you know, it made it seem like it was a sequel of that. I don't know if you see like the the way the can the lighting and everything. It was, sort of looked like it was a sequel of it, but I guess yeah, it had nothing it was, to do. It was, with it. Uh, you know, it was tailored after our show, and we we were kind of guns for hire on it, so they they kind of owned it after we were done with it. So they could do whatever they wanted with the concept, uh, but I don't think they you know they were quite as good as you know when we did it. Okay. Also, Tony. Um, I guess we're talking about scary movies. Um, any like top three movies recently that you've seen that people should be aware of or take a or take a viewing of? Uh, let's see. One said. Um. Yeah. Let me see. I know you've seen a few movies, so I. Yeah. Some, um, some movies that aren't coming to to ne- out till next year. Okay. Uh, that I've seen that I liked a lot. There was a movie from Hungary called White Dog, uh, which was great. And it was it's basically um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but with dogs. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a coming-of-age story, and it's a social, political commentary, and, and then it's just an amazing action film, horror action film, where... You know, dogs are running wild in in in, uh, in, in Budapest, and uh, it's just incredible. And it's all done without CGI, uh, and uh, yeah, that one really blew my blew me away. Uh, I was about to ask you that. How, how how how's it done without CGI? Like how how was it? Like 
Any particular favorite werewolf movies that stands the test of time, or werewolf movies that stand the test of time? Yes. Uh, I always like uh, Curse of the Werewolf and the Wolfman and American London, American Werewolf in London, of yeah. course, and um, The Howling. Yeah. I always loved werewolf. I really haven't seen a, a, a good recent werewolf movie until this one, Animal Stream. I like that a lot. I was a big fan of Werewolf the series. I was I was wondering when would that ever come out on DVD, but I'm not. Oh sure. yeah, Remember yeah. That? It was really cool. The transformation in that show was amazing. I don't know. It was oh like, yeah, well, Chris Baker worked on that. Yeah, it was like almost like the Incredible Hulk, but with a werewolf. That's all it was, basically. You know. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, um, anything you got upcoming? Did you talk about your book that you have coming out as well before? Okay. Um. Yeah. That, that's that's called Fangoria Cover to Cover. I edited the book. Bruce Campbell wrote the introduction, and it's all all about the you know 35 years of Fangoria, and we we reprint every single cover uh, from uh, Fangoria's past, in uh, in a really deluxe coffee table book, and uh, there's you know issue by issue commentary on all, uh, on every Fangoria we ever published, and uh, other uh, editors like. Um, Chris Alexander and Michael Gingold uh, offer up the, their uh, own words in the book. And Bill Mohalley, who designed all but 20-something covers out of 300-plus, uh, wow. uh, he wrote something for the book. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, the definitive history of Fangoria, basically. Oh, so that, that'll be available next year? Yeah, that, no, it'll be out this year. It's, it's uh, coming. It's out the printer now, and it should be uh, actually out any day now. 
And if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or the Cemetery Dance website, you can, you'll find out more on how to get a copy. Yeah, definitely. And fans could definitely still pick up Fangoria because you can go to Barnes & Noble's and still get Fangoria because I don't. there's not really a lot of you know old newsstands that they used to have now, but you definitely could pick it up at any bookstore too. You definitely could pick up Fangoria as well. Yeah, you know? great. Yeah, thank you so much, Tony, for this oh, time. Oh, my pleasure, uh, Ephraim. It was great talking to you. Great talking to you. I hope we could definitely do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, when your your blog is ready, uh, when your podcast rather is ready, send me the link, and I'll make sure I I, I post it on all my social media and, and link to you. Oh, definitely, definitely.